0: Welcome to Liquor & Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 79, and I'm drinking Black Velvet Canadian Whiskey. With each episode of Liquor & Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. So I chose Black Velvet to feature on this episode because this episode will go live the Friday after Thanksgiving. For listeners outside the United States, the Friday after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving being a national holiday here in the United States, but the Friday after is an unofficial holiday we refer to as Black Friday. And it's essentially a shopping holiday. The prevailing story goes that Black Friday gets its name from the fact that stores may have been operating at a loss for most of the year, or in the red, but come the day after Thanksgiving and the tremendous volume of shoppers, they become profitable, or go into the black. In the 1980s, this idea really kicked off, and the trend and narrative of stores going into the black as the origin of the name spread. But to be honest, Black Friday doesn't sound particularly positive to me. Of course, being in the black is good from a business standpoint, and the color denotes the accounting practice of recording profits in black ink and losses in red ink. However, doing some additional research on the origins of Black Friday as a name, the inspiration for this episode on Black Velvet Canadian Whiskey, I discovered that the first recorded use of the term Black Friday was in reference to a gold scandal in 1869 where an unscrupulous financier named Jay Gould, with the help of many accomplices, including the sitting U.S. president's brother-in-law, was able to corner the market on gold and drive prices up. Then he was able to sell before the U.S. government flooded the market with gold, causing a crash that carried over to the stock market, causing the stock market to drop 20%, halting foreign trade, and creating ripples in the U.S. economy for years to come. The biggest losers may have been farmers, however, who saw the value of their wheat and corn harvests drop by 50%. This market manipulation story is actually quite fascinating. I'll provide a link to it in show notes so you can read more. But suffice it to say, Black Friday, as inspiration for this featured spirit, Brought me more insight than I expected. I love the research. So I've got a bottle for the tasting. It is Black Velvet imported Canadian whiskey and the Canadians spell whiskey with no E. It's just W-H-I-S-K-Y. The bottle is a standard 750 milliliters. It is 40% alcohol by volume, making it 80 proof. And Black Velvet is very affordable. I paid less than $11 US for this. Oftentimes it retails for 10 bucks or less at this size. And for that value, you get a pretty simple clear glass bottle. There's no embossing on it. It does have a small rounded foot and then it's very slightly tapered up to a shallow shoulder and longish neck. The label is of course black, but the brand name is rendered in a gold metallic. A silver metallic band below contains the text Blended Canadian Whiskey, flanked by Established 1951. The last bit of text on the front label before the proof information is Blended at birth, distilled and aged three years in oak under the supervision of the Canadian government. There's a coat of arms that divides this text. A small back label notes it's a product of Canada and gives a brief overview of the brand's name origin. And I'll tell you more about that in a bit. The neck of the bottle has a large label that wraps it and the coat of arms is rendered large front and center, but cleverly they've stuck the US government warnings on the side of the neck label. The bottle is capped with a black plastic screw cap. All right, let's drink. Let's open this bottle up. Screw cap. Simple. Now let's go for a pour. As always, I'm using a clean Glencairn glass. It's a whiskey nosing glass, so appropriate that I have a whiskey in it this time. It's a tulip-shaped glass, really allows you to see the spirit, smell the spirit, taste the spirit, and enjoy. I'm also tasting the spirit neat, which is right out of the bottle, not chilled, not diluted. And the glass, it's got a pleasant caramel amber color to it, color of whiskey. I believe it to be a natural color, although I can't verify that actually. It doesn't say that there is caramel color added, so it may indeed be natural, just from the barrel aging. And on the nose... Smells a little sweet. Smells of whiskey. Again, I've said on many episodes that a product that smells like its name makes sense. It smells like whiskey because it's whiskey. Get a little little tingle, a little burn from the ethanol. The sweetness I'm almost interpreting like a, a creme brulee or a vanilla toasted caramel. It, it's sweet but oaky whiskiness to it. Let's go for a taste. sweet smooth easy there's uh a charcoalness to it the the toast or the burnt barrel comes through I almost envision like you've doused a campfire it doesn't have a campfire flavor but i don't know it's the charcoal hints to it it's really sweet at the beginning though well, let's try it again There's some spiciness to the finish, some rye spiciness, a little burn from the ethanol. It is 80 proof after all, but it's not that potent that really just is burning. I think it's some of the spiciness from the rye that's in the blend, but caramel, a little vanilla perhaps, and charred barrel flavor. One more little taste. Easy drinking. Now on to the history. Black Velvet Whiskey started as one of several whiskeys made in Canada by Gilbys. As the label on the bottle states, the brand was established in 1951. So it's 70 years old as of this recording. However, being whiskey, it wasn't distilled in 1951, but rather developed in 1946. Four or five years of age were put into the whiskey prior to it being bottled and christened black velvet. That said, we can go back even further in time, if we like, for a quick overview of the parent company that created the brand. This was Gilby's, a firm whose name still graces a gin brand today. I touched on Gilby's a bit in episode 48 on Malibu Rum, so be sure to go back and give that episode a listen for more detail. But Gilby's was founded in 1857 by brothers Walter and Alfred, who began importing South African wines to England, and from this flourished a business that by 1872 included a gin distillery in England. The Gilby's Gin found favor domestically and abroad, and it was first exported to Canada in 1906. This was probably a fairly logical export market considering the fact that Canada was still under British control in 1906. But the thirst for Gilby's Gin was such that in September of 1933, Gilby's opened the W&A Gilby Distillery in Toronto, Canada to serve the Canadian market. Gilby's had a host of brands though, so it wasn't just gin being made in Canada. Working as master distillers at the Canadian distillery were two men – Crosby Hicks, and John Napier, who went by Jack. And Jack Napier gets the credit for the creation of Black Velvet. Here's what the back label on the bottle says. After perfecting his recipe and maturing the distinct blend in oak barrels, master distiller Jack Napier drew a glass. Reveling in the taste, he pronounced it Black Velvet, epitomizing the smoothness of blended Canadian whiskey. But this wasn't the name it was planned to be. Story goes that it was originally intended to be named Black Label. But due to a potential confusion with Johnny Walker Black Label Scotch Whiskey, the brand wisely chose to go with Black Velvet as the name. Jack Napier's description of the velvety texture meant velvet worked with black just fine. So at market launch, Gilby's had a lineup of four different whiskey bearing the velvet name. These were Red Velvet, Gold Velvet, Black Velvet, and Royal Velvet. The similarities with the Johnny Walker naming based on color are clearly evident whether or not this was intentional. And in my opinion, it's not a terrible idea to follow industry norms or trends and offer a competitive product to the market as long as there's no undue confusion that could land you in legal troubles. Listen to episode 55 on Captain Morgan for an example. But wisely, it seems the Velvet became their brand. The Royal Velvet was a 10-year aged whiskey, and it was expected to be the top seller. But Black Velvet won in the marketplace, outselling all others, to the point that Gilby's rather quickly retired the other expressions in the line, leaving only Black Velvet. I pride myself on being well-researched for this podcast, and one of the things I found with Black Velvet is that the internet likes to repeat what I'd refer to as a rumor, which is simply not true. This being that Black Velvet was once known as Shenley's Black Label Whiskey, and that it was renamed Black Velvet in the late 1940s. Shenley's was a major player in the U.S. spirits business and saw huge growth after the repeal of Prohibition, as well as having remained strong during World War II. Many sources go so far as to claiming that Shenley's Black Label was the only whiskey allowed for officers on submarines at Midway during World War II, and they held it in such low regard that they called it Black Death. Wikipedia carries this incorrect reference. In my review of official brand sources of information for Black Velvet, along with additional research into the links between Shenley's Black Label and Black Velvet, made by Gilby's Canadian operation, the link seems to stem from the fact that Shenley's did end up buying a distiller in Quebec, and they also had whiskey made in Canada for the U.S. market. Bourbon, in fact, prior to bourbon legislation in the U.S. codifying that bourbon is a U.S.-made product. But Shenley's Black Label Whiskey was an American blended whiskey. There's vintage advertisements listing the four states in the U.S. that were used to create the whiskey. So it was very much a U.S. whiskey. Shenley's did end up having some brands that were also owned by the parent company who owned Black Velvet at one time. So the confusion that persists about Black Velvet's origins I believe just stem from similarity in timing and name, closeness to brand parent companies, as well as the added layer of distortion that time adds. But back to Black Velvet, the product of Gilby's. In the 1960s, Black Velvet became extremely popular due in large part to vast marketing programs including the introduction of the Black Velvet Lady in 1969. This ad campaign went on into the 1990s and featured mostly blonde models in black velvet dresses posing with a bottle of the whiskey. Elegant, sexy, and consistent, with famous faces including Christie Brinkley and actress Sybil Shepard taking their turn as black velvet ladies. These were almost always magazine ads and garnered wide exposure for the brand. The brand did leave room for some men to take their turn as the Black Velvet spokesman, dressing in black, mostly dinner jackets, the most famous of which would have been George Burns. Ownership of Black Velvet has changed hands several times since launch. The current owner is Heaven Hill Brands, who acquired Black Velvet along with some other brands and a distillery in 2019 from the then-current owner, Constellation Brands. Constellation Brands owned Black Velvet for 20 years, buying the brand from Diageo in 1999. How did Diageo end up owning Black Velvet? Well, remember Gilby's? They were a founding firm in the formation of Diageo having partnered with international distillers and vintners in 1962. The mergers that followed created Diageo. Over the course of the seven decades Black Velvet has been around, the bottle and label have been updated to stay current, but nothing that's been particularly notable. Black Velvet is mostly sold in the U.S. market, an export from Canada. It's also the second best-selling blended Canadian whiskey sold, behind only Crown Royal. And listen to episode 49 for Crown Royal's story. Black Velvet sold about 1.8 million 9-liter equivalent cases in 2020, which is down from a high of just over 2 million cases in 2014. As a popular whiskey brand, it does have some expected brand extensions. So far, they've remained rather restrained, First of which is Black Velvet Reserve, which is aged for eight years. There's also a pair of flavored whiskeys. The first is a toasted caramel flavor that was launched in the early 2010s, I think 2012 to be exact. They also then had a cinnamon flavored version, though it seems to have been recently retired, replaced by an apple flavored version. Flavored whiskeys are quite popular nowadays, and so I would not be surprised if more flavored versions of Black Velvet follow. So now on to how it's made. Black Velvet is now produced in a very automated process. It's made at a purpose-built distillery named the Black Velvet Distilling Company in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, which was built in 1973. The automation was added in 1991. To produce the high volume of whiskey, the distillery brings in approximately 1,500 tons of corn each year via rail car or truck, along with some rye and malt. The grain is all milled on site. It's ground into a flour. Then they add some water and enzymes to it to make a mash. The mash is then cooked in a continuous jet cooker, which is then rotated into 11 different fermenters. In fermentation, they add some dry yeast. The yeast converts the sugars and starch to ethanol. And we end up with a product, a whiskey wash, now a final fermentation that is about 13% alcohol by volume, ready for distillation. The wash is then distilled through a four-column continuous still, yielding a neutral spirit of 95 plus percent ABV. Black Velvet makes use of a technique they've trademarked the name for they call Blended at Birth, with a TM. This is a process that is credited to master distiller Jack Napier. Once the distillation is complete, the finished New Spirit is blended with a rye-flavoring whiskey that's been aged for 2 to 6 years. And as part of the blending process, it's diluted down to about 77% ABV. The blend is then put into used bourbon barrels to age for a minimum of three years prior to bottling. The warehouses used to store the maturing whiskey are large. They hold upwards of 340,000 barrels. Bottling occurs in one of three locations. Some is done at the distillery, but most seems to be sent to either Kentucky or California for bottling and distribution. As of 2019, the distillery employed only 60 people, requiring just two employees per shift. It's that automated. A quarter of the staff was dedicated to quality control and product testing. So now on to cocktails and consumption. What do you do with black velvet? Well, you're going to mix it. It's, It's great for mixing. It's a blended Canadian whiskey. It's rather smooth. I've enjoyed my entire pour, and then some I had a little more. goes down easy. I would not say it's really a sipping whiskey. At this price point, the age statement of three years, they're not going for great complexity. So uh, any cocktail that you're looking for that calls for a blended Canadian whiskey there's a good chance that cocktail was developed to feature black velvet. So in summary, what do I think of black velvet blended Canadian whiskey? I gotta say, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a tremendous value. About 10 bucks out the door for a 750 milliliter a fifth of whiskey. It's an aged product. They actually are aging it a minimum of three years, probably about 36 months to be exact. But I mean, you get whiskey. You know, when I'm thinking about this and comparing it to, say, something like Seagram 7, Seagram 7 is a blended American whiskey. It's only legally a whiskey because it's 25% whiskey, the other 75% is just neutral spirit. Black Velvet is all whiskey, and it's pretty good. On this show, I've already tried a wide range of spirits, 79 that I've recorded episodes for at this point. And I would like to think that I'm pretty open-minded on spirits. I'm not particularly snobbish. I think that there's a place on your bar for a range of spirits. And something on the bottom shelf, like a black velvet that's 10 bucks, and, you know, not particularly complex, it's got a place in cocktails. There's no reason not to have a bottle of this. You want to reserve your more sipping whiskeys or more expensive spirits, to be honest, for enjoyment in that way. But if you want to mix up a quick cocktail or if you've got a friend or family member that is not particularly in tune with distilled spirits and doesn't have a strong preference, you don't really want to waste the good stuff on them. So Black Velvet, totally fine. Have a bottle. Have a case. I mean, a case is not going to cost you much. 100 bucks, $120 US for a dozen bottles. That's a bargain. You can spend that much on one bottle easily. Also, I really like that the brand built a lot of its success on the back of advertising. As a marketer by trade, I say this all the time in my professional career, that advertising pays off It doesn't necessarily matter what you're selling, just the fact that you're always selling. Being consistent is key. This is an unoffensive product. It's not necessarily award-winning, but it's a great blended Canadian whiskey that there's no reason you shouldn't have a bottle on your bar. Everybody can afford this. And the fact that they advertised it and positioned it really as an elegant, higher-end spirit with a price that didn't necessarily reflect that, created value. And value is just defined as the benefit received correlated against the money paid for it. And the more benefit you get against the dollars you spend, that's the higher the value you get. I think that Black Velvet delivers on value. And there's nothing wrong with being a value brand. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor and Core Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Do tell your friends. Show notes are on liquorinthecoreconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. I strive to be there. The show is also on social media. Please follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I love hearing from my listeners, so if there's a particular spirit you'd like me to feature on an upcoming episode, please do reach out. And as always, thank you for listening.